Hey guys, Montel here, and thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. I am so excited to have a guest on that I have today because, you know, this is a subject that we've covered a lot before, but it's so important that we continue to cover it as much as we can. When you have a sick child and you know there's something out there that could possibly help them, that's been studied and studied and proven to be effective, yet still illegal to access in your state or your country, what do you do? My guest today has been a fierce and relentless advocate for access to medical cannabis in Ireland, folks. Yes, Ireland. After discovering it could help her daughter, Ava, when nothing else worked. Ava at the time suffered from up to and above 100 seizures a day. And her mother feared that without cannabis, she would lose her life. In her book dedicated to her daughter, she writes, I strove to think of a way to alleviate her suffering and give her a chance at a better and healthier life. Vera Toomey, thanks so much for being a part of me. Thanks so much for joining us all the way from Cork, Ireland today. Thank you. Thank you, Montel. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. And you can say hello to all the people who are tuning in because this is really great. It's phenomenal having you on from across the pond, let's say. No, it's, 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 lo- it's lovely to be here with you and to be speaking with you. We're delighted. And, and, and thanks for having us on to speak about Ava's story, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I think that a lot of people here in the United States, you know, I I will say here in the United States, a lot of people just take for granted that, you know, children will have access to cannabis. And that's not true. We have as many cannabis refugees within our own border as we have cannabis refugees from outside the country trying to come in here to find a way to help save a loved one who's suffering from an illness that they know that cannabis could help with. Tell us a little bit about your daughter, Ava, and and when did she start and begin having seizures? And explain what's going on with your daughter. Yeah, our our little girl, our little girl Ava, she's she's eleven, she's eleven and a half years now. She's she's actually going to be twelve on the twenty-sixth of November. So coming up shortly. Yeah. And um so she was born in two thousand and nine. And everything was wondrous. She's our first little girl. We have we have three other ones younger than Ava now as well. Um, but uh, everything was great up until she was about four months old. And it it goes like that with her diagnosis, which is the Dravet syndrome. Around the four months of age, um, the little children they start having the seizures, and that's what happened with us with Ava as well. She had um. She had her first seizure when she was about four months old. It was 45 minutes long, Montel. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. So, so, to be honest with you, the, the first the first seizure that she had, I don't really remember a tremendous amount about it. It was just the panic. I remember the panic and the fear. And I just... You know, I remember calling the ambulance and, you know, get her somewhere, get her help, you know, because we we thought maybe that she wasn't going to survive. And the seizures just kept coming and coming and coming. Um, And that was the beginning of just, yeah, right. That's just that alone right there. As a young mother, take mm-hmm. me through what you felt at that moment when you saw your child laying there seizing that way. What went through your mind? 
I mean, I can't even tell you. I, I just, I suppose, you know, she was my first child. Um, you know, you're, 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 you're prepared for battles and nappies and feeding and um, up in the middle of the night and soothing the child and getting used to how that works. But she was having a full tonic-clonic seizure in my arms and I couldn't do anything. And the, the utter helplessness of not being able to make it stop and then getting, you know, obviously getting, you know, freaking out basically that like, what is happening? Get a doctor, get an ambulance. What do I do? Who do I go to? We call the ambulance, but it was that, um, that was the beginning of an extraordinary journey of not being able to make it stop. Um, that I couldn't help her and that we were, we were in to doctors and we put our daughter in the hands of the doctors. We at the time put our hands, put our, put our daughter in the hands of people that could advise us and provide us with medication to make things better. It was what did the medications make anything better because she had the first one, but she had intractable seizures. So they just kept coming, right? They kept coming. Well, how was was the time in between them? So, you know, in a sense, we were fortunate that I think that the public consultant that we had, or, or what, what I would describe the consultant, like the, the, the specialist in neurology that we were dealing with, I think she could see very quickly that this was not a standard form of generalized epilepsy, that you were dealing with something more complicated. And we got a diagnosis of Dravet syndrome, I think, within the next eight to 10 weeks. Um, and during that eight to 10 week period of time, how many seizures did she have? Oh, they just kept coming. It was, it, it was, it was a blur. It was, you know, several days, days at a time inside in hospital. And she'd have another seizure. And then because she'd have another seizure, you'd be another day inside in hospital. And then... Within that two-month period, we had left the hospital, but when we came home, she was having more seizures, so we were back into the hospital. And that was the cycle of the ambulance coming to the house. And eventually, you know, and this will show, show you how bad things were, the ambulance didn't even need the postal code of where we were living any longer because when they heard it was Ava Barry, they knew where we were. And we got to know the ambulance people by first by a first name basis they were in and out of our home so frequently um and you know i suppose to to kind of to kind of we had we had one medication and we thought okay well well okay it's a complicated epilepsy it's dravet syndrome it's intractable but maybe we'll be okay maybe it'll be on the milder the milder side of things but one medication failed and then they added another and then two medications failed to control. And then then they added a third one. And we were kind of beginning to think, geez, like, you know, she's on three different forms of medications and, and we're still in and out of hospital. And then she was on four and then we were on five. And it, it, it went in a cycle like that for a really long time. And our normal became from, you know, that the early days of 2010, 
we ended up spending four to five months of every year in hospital with Ava. So and this is going through these, this is going through the recommended neurological treatment protocols. Yeah. One year, then she becomes two, then two years, she becomes three. Yes. And it doesn't seem like it's it's doing anything, right? No, it, it didn't it didn't seem like it was doing anything at all. And um I mean the oh, I'm so sorry, that's it's okay. Um, forgive me. I should have turned that off, I beg your pardon. Um the um the, the the seizures weren't being controlled and you know we started to think well if the first medication didn't work and now we're on the fourth maybe we should remove the first one and try the next three but nothing was being removed it was just heaping more tablets on her you know or, or liquid and actually she was an extraordinary child to take tablets she was taking tablets from the the, the very beginning with yogurt or you know whatever um, and look at year by year, we were dealing with it. We, we, we were meeting milestones for a while and then she started missing the milestones and it became more real that, you know, we the really were damaging her brain. They were damaging her brain. Yeah. And you could begin to see clearly that we were, we had a serious problem, but, but the fact was we didn't mind. I mean, Getting back to the diagnosis, I don't know whether you saw that in the book now or not, but we were given a very direct um, uh, future of what uh, what was going to happen. The consultant told us, Ava will not walk, she will not speak, she will be in a wheelchair, and the mortality rate with the Dravet syndrome is so high that she may not live beyond the age of three years. And so that's why... I was immediately saying to you there like that she's going to be 12 in the coming days because our Ava is just the most extraordinary fighter that you'd ever meet. Like she just, she kept coming back and she kept coming back. And amid all of this, you know, she she experienced two heart attacks. Oh. This is prior to cannabis now, obviously. Um she experienced a nine-day coma where looking back on it i can see now that the the medical professionals were kind of preparing us for her passing really but uh she just she just woke up the, the find she woke up out of that and 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 she sat up and she looked out at us and she was there and like at this stage you're you're trying to you're trying to do your best but your best is dependent on medications that aren't working and so gradually and the thing with the Dravet syndrome and of course you know little Charlotte Figgy Lartimer Sinner she she was she had the same condition that that Ava has um so well, now how did you hear about that did you know that going yeah in? this is yeah that's what I'm saying because because the, the Dravet syndrome is such a rare diagnosis, when we were diagnosed, they were saying it was about one in 80,000 births were diagnosed with the Dravet syndrome. So because the community of children with the condition was so small, there was hardly anybody in Ireland with it. So 
I looked then over to the United Kingdom and there was a group and there were there were parents over there. But then some of the parents in the UK group were from the United States and Canada. So you were kind of hearing about you were hearing about cannabis and I didn't know about cannabis, but they were talking about seizures being stopped by cannabis and and gradually I started to see people's stories and you were talking about you know people traveling from different states like you were looking at people leaving texas packing up their bags in texas and driving to colorado to 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 move to live there to get access at the time because it wasn't legalized in as many places you know back then and we saw charlotte and i saw Paige, and i just like you know, I haven't I haven't actually met Paige in person, but I feel like I know I know Paige, but I have met Joelle and Jesse Stanley. Um and like they're what they have done has been extraordinary because sometimes people say to me that Ava's story gave them hope to yes. go and get access or to motivate to, to do something about it. But for us, it was Paige and Charlotte that triggered our understanding of the cannabis. And I kind of said, Montel, like I said, we need to get that. And this was in, this would have been like in probably around 15, I'd say. We started trying to approach the consultants about the, um, about the cannabis and I just was blocked. Well, the first time you brought it up with one of the consultants, you call them consultants there, but it's one of the neurological specialists. Or- neurological, yeah. When we approached our neurological specialist, yeah. What, what was the first thing they said to you when you went in and said, have you heard about this cannabis stuff? Does it work? What did they say to you? They looked at me. They looked at me. The, 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 the particular specialist looked at me. She stared at me, ignored me, and moved on to something else. And, and then you, then you brought it up again. He said, wait a minute, yes. you didn't hear from me. And yeah, I brought it up again. And I think the general consensus was that um, the pressure has got to Ms. Toomey. Um, she's losing her mind. Mm. She thinks now that cannabis is going to save her child. Unfortunately, it isn't. And nothing is going to save her child. And she has a difficult situation but her mental health has been affected. So that was, I that 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 was clearly what they thought. Um, well, you, of course, you showed them stuff on the internet. You showed them information, and what did they say to that? Um, I I experienced a lot of hostility. You know, I mean, you've kind of got to consider as well. Ireland is very different to um, the United States or to Canada. It's quite conservative. It's it's you know the the the, the medical profession are very structured. You know they're telling you what to do. They're advising you what to do, and they did not like at all for a parent to be coming with a solution and presenting a solution to them. That made them very uncomfortable, and it led us to this extraordinary struggle to try and find a consultant to, to a specialist 
to take us seriously and to have a conversation with um about how we were going to help Ava. So we in Ireland have a public system and we have a private system. So the private system is very expensive, but we had to move away from the public system and try and um, get Ava seen by a, by a private specialist that would hear us. And we were extremely fortunate to be able to find a consultant privately who wasn't as resistant, but still was not going to prescribe CBD for us. And what basically happened, Montel, was after countless seizures on a particular event, we were in the hospital and they told us there were no options left, right? And she was seven at the time. And she's beautiful, you know, she's beautiful now, but she was, she's beautiful. And um, I said, how do you mean? And they said, well, we've exhausted all avenues. You need to take her home and make her comfortable. And I said, um, you want me to take her home to die? And they said, well, Ms. Toomey, we've done everything we can. All that's left is to re-examine the medications that have already been tried. But I said, they failed. They said, yes, maybe they might work this time. And that was it. That was, that was, what, I, that was what I had. And that was in 2016, 2015? That was 2016. Now, fortunately, the Stanleys had created the Charlotte's Web and the Charlotte's Web became available in Ireland in a store in Dublin in 2016. And that saved Ava's life. So it was uh, yeah. so it's 2016. They told you take her home to die. Yeah. And you then heard that Charlotte's Web was available in Dublin? That's right. That's right. Then, then tell about talk about how you got to that. I mean, you, you clearly reached out to the public doctors and others and said, look, we know there's something here that might help my child. Why don't you just write me a prescription for that? And what did they say to you? They said, no, that's out of the question. That's not prescribable. They said it's not a medication. They said there's no clinical trials available. Um, there's no placebo studies. There's no this, that, the other thing. You know, there isn't enough evidence etc etc and then there was the balance about the the damage to the, to the developing brain that the cannabis could cause and i was saying to them okay well what about the damage that constant seizure activity is causing to my daughter's developing brain it's 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 devastating damage that's being done and i've got a i've got a solution here or a potential solution why don't we try and see and the resistance kept coming. Um, so we were so lucky, Montel, that I managed to meet Joel above in Dublin. And I just thought, I just thought he was wonderful. And he was so honest and just like, it, it was just what I needed at the time to meet somebody who was just so down to earth and so matter of fact about the benefits of cannabis. And we got the we got the Charlotte's Web, but you see, it wasn't prescribed. It was being sold as a food supplement. Got it. So, as a food supplement, you were able to get it. Yeah. Now, 
And and had you at this point in time been talking at all to any of the, uh, I guess the public medical system to see if you could have it prescribed? And they said, yes. No. Oh yeah, we we had we had done that. Absolutely not out of the question. It's not prescribable. There's no evidence. Like I said, they wanted studies. They wanted they they were looking to England to see what was being done in England. It wasn't being to, well. It, 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 the British are even in nearly a worse situation than we are in Ireland, even still. Um, uh, so there was no, there was there was no there wasn't enough evidence for them to to prescribe it. But the thing was, we went up to Dublin. We got the we got the Charlotte's Web, and just I suppose bear in mind, I was very ignorant surrounding the cannabis. But over the course of the months and the years. We got in touch with people in the cannabis community. We reached out to the cannabis clubs around the country. We met some extraordinary people who were really tuned in on what cannabis was and what it was capable of achieving as a medicine. And so I learned, I was learning as I was, I was learning as I was walking literally along this path, you know? Um, and then we got to Charlotte Webb and she had 13, Seizure free days. Nothing. Yeah, wait, you guys, as soon as you got the, the Charlotte's Web, let's talk about that for a second. So you went to Dublin, you got it. Did you you took Ava with you to Dublin? Or Ava No, no, no. I would always have been very reluctant to take Ava on the long journeys, Montel, because you couldn't because she'd have a seizure in the car. Or it could be it could be dangerous. So I was very lucky to have a very supportive family who were you know, there to look after Abe's at home and kind of, I went out or a couple of us would take off and go to these places to try and get something sorted. That was kind of how we did it. Yeah. So you went and got it, you bought it home and tell me what the first time you gave Ava some CBD, how did it affect her seizures? It was like, we gave her, we gave her the CBD. I remember we gave her the CBD the first morning and I'm telling you, the clocks didn't stop. The world didn't end. Nothing, you know. The, the, it, it, it wasn't a, It wasn't the end of the world. Um, and an hour passed and two hours. And God, she's looking grand. And she's grand. And put her to bed. There was no seizure. No seizure during the night. Then we stopped talking because we were all thinking... The seizures have stopped, but we were afraid to kind of say it out loud because in seven years since they started at four months old, we had never experienced a day with Ava or known Ava a single day without seizure activity. And I'm talking now like she had no tonic clinics, she had no myoclonic jerks, she had no absences, she there was it was she was clear. And the light came into her eyes again. She just, she, she just, she wasn't, she wasn't in a daze. She was, she was looking out of her eyes and she could see me. Wow. And, 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 and like, that was very emotional at the time, you know? And I look back on that now and the only thing that I regret about the cannabis is that I didn't get it for her sooner. Right. And I and and you know that was that was the thing, and then like she had thirteen seizure free days, 
Then she had she had two or three in October. She had four or five in November. But bear in mind, we were people that were dealing with three, four, five hundred seizures every month. You know, much actually much much more than that. That's much much more than that. And so we were astonished. And so it kind of it it created um. That experience clearly gave me the determination that even though there seemed to be um, a kind of, um, what would you say, there was a kind of an organized resistance to us talking about cannabis, that whatever resistance was facing me, I was saying, well, this is working and this is making things better. And no matter who's resisting us, I'm going to get this for this child. And so I put aside any kind of um, sense of being shy or being incapable of getting up and speaking. I just put it aside and just did what I could do and spoke yeah. and, and did what I could. You yeah. spoke as a, uh, clearly after the first 13 day period, you must have gone back to those doctors or gone back to those those advisors and said, are you kidding me? Take a look at my child now. You just saw the same child yeah. and look at her now. What do they say? They said, no, no. They said, um, we can't prescribe it. It's, it's, it's a food supplement. It's not a medicine. And they're but still saying they, that Montel to this day. But what did they say to the fact that her seizures had stopped? They were stunned. I would say stunned more so than anything. I would, I mean, and this show is called Let's Be Blunt. Uh, I, being blunt about it, I actually think they were rather disappointed that cannabis was causing the seizures to stop and that we were right in what we were talking about. And they were incapable of, of having a conversation about it because they hadn't the structure that they have with the pharmaceutical medications to discuss. Um, so it was, it was horrible. Um, and uh, the lack of interest that a lot of the consultants have about children in Ireland that are doing well on the medical cannabis is, is really shocking because you'd imagine you know, they take a Hippocratic Oath, they study for years, they're supposed to be committed to making the lives of children better. You think that there should be, there should be doctors knocking down our doors at that time to find out so that they could help their other little, little patients, little children. But that wasn't what was happening. They sort of started to portray me as, um, as an activist. And I don't mind that. I'd be proud to be called an activist, actually. But when they'd say it, it was in a negative connotation. You know what I mean? Um, so it, it wasn't good. It, it wasn't good. And we still had no script. Um, we were buying it. As but then, then you started to realize that the CBD alone wasn't working. So you needed yes. to add a little THC, which is what a lot of people found out because we're starting to realize that it's the broader spectrum of all the cannabinoids working together that yeah. actually 
and to help help alleviate some of the issues. So what did you do when you realized, oh my goodness, now I'm going to have to give you some THC and that's yeah. no to be found in this country. No way, exactly. Because like I said, we had the 13 days seizure free and then they started creeping back. And that was always the case. The seizure started to break back with all of the medications. But the thing was, our experience and understanding had shifted completely because we had seen the CBD work. So I did not fear THC because I, I looked at THC as a complement to what Ava was experiencing already, but it was illegal. It was only legal up to 0.02% in Ireland. That's how it remains under the um, 1977 Misuse of Drugs Act in our country. And um, it couldn't be prescribed. And so I I never wanted Montel to leave Ireland, you know, um, Ireland is our home. And we wanted to highlight Ava's situation, get access to her medication, keep her safe, and go back to living our lives. And but, that's what you were doing publicly, right? You Did you go to newspapers? Did you go to yes. television stations? What did you do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like we would have been lost without the Facebook. The Facebook was a great resource at the time. And back then you weren't restricted as much, you know, they weren't pulling posts if they contained the word cannabis and so forth. Like they, they, they are doing that a lot now. So the Facebook that started gathering and I started talking on radio stations. I started appearing in newspapers. Then the next thing we were on television, then we were on talk shows, then um, I was invited over to speak at the European Parliament over in um, in Belgium. Um, like it, it all started to just to just be very, very public, but she had to have it and nobody would listen to me privately. So we didn't have a choice. I think there's a lot of parents that find themselves in that situation. You're nearly better off with your back against the wall sometimes because you've got to come out fighting, don't you? You know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you, you approached some legislators or some, some uh, government? I did. What did oh, they say? I, I, I got onto every politician in the country. I didn't care whether they were like you have the Republicans and the Democrats, it didn't matter what part of the country they were from, what party they represented. I wanted to get on to somebody who would talk to me, listen to me, and understand what I was looking for. And I did find that very difficult. But I became very hardened, I think, and very persistent. I mean, I kept getting knocked back over and over. But... I sort of felt it didn't really matter if some guy just wouldn't talk to me or wouldn't answer the phone. I tried somebody else and I kept trying and I kept going. And, you know, eventually we were we were at a position where we were talking at meetings. We were organizing meetings in different counties around the country. I was going up to our parliament, up to our doll and, you know, and, in, and, and every single day phoning the Minister for Health, it was Simon Harris at the time, phoning his department, trying to get through, trying to get help. Eventually, um, I do remember it, um, one of the, one of the um, 
one of the ladies in the the his office she put the phone down on me and uh I, like and I had been reasonable I I I can shout I can shout as much as any other fella but if I was on the phone and speaking to somebody that's not I don't do that you talk respectfully as you can on the phone to people um but they put the phone down on me and I said uh they, they weren't replying to any of our emails anymore so I decided I walked to Dublin I and then that walk, that you, you decided to announce not only you walked, but you literally let everyone know you were walking in a long yeah. journey where it took you like, what, 10 days? How many days? About nine days. About, About nine, nine days. days. And, yeah. and along your journey, thousands of people came out and walked with you, right? It was, it was incredible. I mean, I was gone to a really, really desperate place. Um, I kind of look back now and you could see my face, you could see just my hair had started to fall out, you know, um, it was it was serious pressure, Ava's seizures were coming back, you don't know with Dravet syndrome, if you're going to have another day, you just, you just don't know, so the fear was, and the thing was, to have experienced seizure freedom, and then to see the seizures coming back was really distressing, you know, um, so we knew that we needed the THC and the walk. Yeah, I, I, I went on Facebook. I, I told them I'm, I'm going to walk to Dublin. And I asked people if they wanted to walk a mile of the road with me. Please do, because we need to highlight Ava's situation. But Montel, I never imagined what happened. It, it, it was, it was, it was thousands. I mean, when we reached Dublin, there was, I think there was about 4,000 people outside the gates of the Dáil, but on the way up, it, there was there was people walking a mile, a mile long, we'll say, along the road. It was extraordinary. Really, it was. And that's, I'm sure that all the press coverage of that is what got the attention of the politicians, correct? Absolutely. Um, it, the, the thing was, I think that, Many people actually didn't know about Ava until we did the walk, even though you're trying very hard to to, 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 to to be heard. There's so many different situations. But when we did the walk, it even went as far as Washington. They they, they had it in, the, the I think it was the Washington Post, I think they had it. Um, and it was on BBC News and, and, and all the stations. And people were kind of, just help the child. This lady right. is, she's found something. Can we not just help this little girl? And people were, I think there was a lot of other people that had medical conditions themselves that were hoping that they could get access to medical cannabis or also other parents that have children with special needs that know how hard it is, you know, how, how difficult it is to get services in Ireland, to get help in Ireland. And just the support was just like a deluge. It was completely overwhelming. It really was. Yeah. But you got there. They gave you promises, but they reneged, right? They reneged again. They reneged again, Mattel. Um, and it just, it just time after time, it just felt like, you know, with the cannabis, it just feels like there's no end to it. There's no end to 
fighting for it or the restrictions that they put in your way about it. Um, it would, but what's so, so, what's, so, what's so strange about this, though, is that I would think that people in Ireland would think to themselves that this isn't something that we really wanted to be illegal. We only did this because the United States of America made it illegal. So why are we fulfilling what the United States of America wants? Why can't we just make a decision for ourselves? Oh, because the the Irish government couldn't do that. They, they couldn't. They couldn't see through the stigma. They couldn't see through the fear. They couldn't. I also think that one of the problems about the cannabis is that. You know, a lot of times it's parents are agitating for progress on the issue, you know, that like like Paige, when, when Paige was in Colorado, she was she was looking for help. She was in a she was in a dreadful situation with Charlotte and and you're you're working from the bottom up that you're trying to exert change. But the idea is not coming from the Department of Health or the or the civil servants. And I think they're sometimes resistant, very resistant to the ordinary people presenting the option to them. Um, and it remains, it remains so. And then the medical profession are comfortable in their pharmaceutical zone with their medications and the way things are going. Because they're getting so, kickbacks and they get a lot of money. Yeah, well, exactly. And uh, the kickbacks just simply aren't there. I mean, excuse me, I mean... I mean, God forgive me, but probably, probably eventually there will be a situation where there will be as many kickbacks from the cannabis as there is from the pharmaceuticals, but it's not there now. So they're not, they're not, um, they're not open to it and they're falling back on lack of evidence and lack of studies. But I mean, when THC is classified as a controlled drug, how are the studies supposed to be created on, on a controlled drug? It'll need to be, I think it'll need to be federally legalized in the United States before there will be a tremendous knock-on effect. We're doing our best over here, I think, many of us, but it's like the big boys are over in America to... Well, to, but you know, no. that, that was, I would agree with you until about a year and a half ago. Now the big boys are in places like Colombia. The big boys are in places like Spain. The big boys are in places like Israel. The big yeah. boys are in Argentina. The rest of the world is finally starting to say, wait a second, how dare the United States of America deny access to an efficacious drug to the rest of the world? It's, so it's you, a disgrace. Yeah. It, is, yeah. it is a disgrace. I would agree with you 100%, I think. Yeah. And when they really look, if, if, if the regular, if other governments and other municipalities would recognize the fact that this was something that was done in America just because of racist attitudes, had nothing really to do with medication. No. You ended up, after having that, that, that reneging of the promise that they would help you, you ended up having to go to Holland. Is that right? To Amsterdam? Well, well, actually, before Holland, what we did was, and you mentioned Spain, and Spain is very interesting because they're kind of in a gray area in Spain with the cannabis, it's sort of illegal, but it's tolerated and it's 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 unusual. And what we did was there was there was a dear friend of ours who had gone there to treat um breast cancer. She had gone to the Calapa Clinic in Barcelona and she had got the cannabis prescribed by a doctor there. So we thought let's contact them 
and let's go to the Kalampa Clinic, let's see what could be done for Ava. And we got, we, we, we flew over there, we were prescribed um, medical, pres- this was our first prescription, prescribed CBD and prescribed THC from a medical doctor in the Kalampa Clinic. And the thing was, I had a, I, I was in a bit of a quandary. Well, I wasn't in a quandary for too long because I decided what to do. But see, I could have gone over and got it for Ava quiet, in the quiet way. Said nothing, done it, came back, maybe flown over again the following month, two months, but and got it again. But in the long term, where is that going to leave me? I'm going to be breaking the law for the rest of my life and for the rest of her life and everybody's going to be at risk and equally I felt like if I'm going to go over there and get it I'm going to tell everybody that I'm going over there and I'm going to get it and I'm going to come back with my prescription I'm going to say it publicly and I dared them to take it off me right now unfortunately when I came back to Dublin airport we flew in from Barcelona into Dublin airport I was arrested in Dublin airport, detained, and they seized the THC medication that I was carrying for Ava. I, there's a picture knocking around there somewhere. I'm holding up the prescription in my hand, I had the prescription in my hand, and they still took away prescribed medication from me. So when that happened then, Montel, I knew we had to leave the country. We'd have to go. So... That's where Holland came in then. And on the 17th of June, uh, 2017, the the night of the 16th, I mean, I told you I had four children, right? Um, my smallest one was two and a half at the time. I packed up my kids. I put my kids to bed that, that night. We went out and we packed up the car. We had a roof rack on the car. We filled the box, the roof box car was full I went down to the bedroom and got my kids out of their beds put them into the back of the car and I and like we couldn't take all of their toys so each one of them we took three toys for each of them and uh, we sat into the car and we drove we couldn't fly because the flying was too dangerous for Ava with the seizures we drove to Dublin we told no one we were going because we were terrified that if anybody heard that we were leaving, that they'd come down on us and that, that we wouldn't be able to go or that the guards would be called because like I had been I had been detained above at the airport now at this stage. We went up to Dublin, we got a ferry across to England, we drove across England, we got another ferry over to Holland, and we were we were exiled over in Holland for six months they left us there and it was it's just the cruelest most unnecessary it was the cruelest and most unnecessary thing that should have been done to anybody um i mean i had the responsibility then of turning this journey into a kind of a, an adventure for my children so that my children wouldn't be afraid you know we had to find a place to rent we had to set up a gofundme page which was just 
we because we couldn't afford to, to 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 do this but people just the support was unbelievable and the anger at the fact that we had to go was really building at this stage and um but still we were left we had no idea if they'd ever let us back so we were july august then in september my children had to go back to school so they returned to ireland so in september from september to december i was over in the netherlands on my own with ava um and you know there are friends like you know adele now is one friend that's over in in, in the netherlands luke introduced me to adele and only for her over there i think i think i would have lost my mind because i was on the phone i was trying to get us out of there i was ringing everyone i could there was newspapers ringing there was television crews coming over to interview us it was it was just it was a circus and still we were left there and um eventually eventually in december um our the Taoiseach, the Taoiseach at the time was a, a fellow by the name of Leo Varadkar. And I I I maintain Leo, it didn't bother Leo too much really whether we were left we were left in Holland for the summer or left in Holland indefinitely. I think I would have been out of his hair. Um but there was there was some kind of a there was some kind of a political event took place the government was just shifting or was maybe about to fall and there was another leader Michal Martin he intervened for us and made a demand that we would be brought home and that's why we got out of out of the Netherlands and because like his intervention was demanded by people in Ireland and it was i i think there was more people than irish people looking at us then as well at this stage you know people in england were looking and and it, like there was outrage so we eventually got back and you were able to go back with your medication yeah but then they wouldn't fund it so when we got back to i'm uh, sorry no i just take a drink i beg your pardon no it's okay excuse me so sorry i should have had a glass but it's okay um, they, when we got back then, see, you know, you're always hoping for the best, Montel, aren't you? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, so when when we got our prescription and we got Ava CBD and, and THC, we had a, a, a specialist neurologist over in, the, over in the Netherlands and the specialist neurologist that I mentioned earlier in Ireland was happy to work in conjunction with that specialist in the Netherlands. So that was making things easier for us as well. And but they wouldn't pay for it. So the medication cost 10,000 euros every three months. And so we had to we had to come up with 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 paying for that. And they wouldn't refund any of the medication that we had paid for either when we were over in the Netherlands. So that became another campaign then to come out and demand the payment. And they they came up, they said they wouldn't fund it at source, but they would reimburse it. But we had to travel over to the Netherlands every 12 weeks to collect it. It wouldn't be dispensed from our pharmacy in Ireland. And so 
to be honest with you, by the time we came back in, like, the end of 17, I couldn't fight anymore at that time. I, I just, I didn't have it in me. And we kind of accepted that we had to travel for the medication. And, you know, you're just kind of so grateful to have it at that stage. But anyway, over the course of the time, it just became like ten to have 10,000 euros available and have to have it available to pay for the next prescription each time and you have four kids and 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 school and this and that and what you know whatever they're into it just became an enormous burden so we lobbied them to fund the medication at source and that didn't go very well that took a very long time i achieved that particular point last july only um actually this month in fact this november our first delivery of ava's medical cannabis which was funded up front happened this month so they allowed it to be shipped into ireland so what what happened with the delivery then sorry no because i i should have said that as well with the delivery when the COVID time came in march of 2020 we said look we cannot like the the trip to collect the medication involved leaving our home a 45 minute drive to the airport in cork get on the plane flight amsterdam to skip to schiphol do you know schiphol and fly from or, or get the tram from Schiphol to Den Haag and get two trams from Den Haag to the pharmacy, turn around and come back again. And how many hundreds of people are you going to meet and the risk of COVID and everything? So we said, look, we said, I don't know what you're going to do, but we are not putting Ava at risk. And I swear to God, within like, I don't know, it was less than less than a couple of weeks, it was sorted, Montel. And like, I was grateful, don't, don't get me wrong, I was grateful that it was sorted and that the delivery was arranged. But why couldn't they just have arranged the delivery and the funding of it when we returned back in 17? Yeah, it's, it's really like, ridiculous. Yeah, we, we were really penalized at every stage, you know? Yeah. So now you are an advocate to help change all the laws in your country, right? Pardon? You are working at changing all the laws right now in your country, right? Absolutely. Now, like, it's probably for somebody else to say this about the situation and not for me to be saying it, but Ava's case definitely changed attitudes to CBD and THC in our country because, um, I mean, we're very ordinary. We're just, we're just ordinary people. You know, like um, we explained, this is what we need. It's it's working, and people could see that it was. It's I mean, it's reasonably straightforward, um, and I think other parents of epileptic children started asking questions. I want access to this. Then other parents of children with autism. Now, our Ava has a diagnosis of autism as well. So the, 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 the medical cannabis is helpful very much with the autistic, you know, being on the autistic spectrum as well. And um, people started asking questions 
And I think people became braver about asking the questions when they saw somebody else pushing for it. And so there have been laws brought in. There has been an access program created, but it's dreadfully limited. It's 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 so limited that um I mean the, the, the conditions on it are um drug resistant epilepsy, the side effects of chemotherapy and the tremors associated with the multiple sclerosis. But but they haven't added an adequate number of medications or even suitable medications onto the program and the doctors are still reluctant to prescribe the medical cannabis in the country as it stands. So even, it's, even it's though they've seen even though they've seen the results in several other families now, right? Oh yeah. I mean I mean look like with, with Ava you know with Ava it couldn't be more it couldn't be clearer. You, you can't not see the difference between a little child who is flattened from dozens and dozens of seizures in a day to a little child who was dancing around the sitting room over in the Netherlands and had begun to speak and was talking, you know, and was engaging with the camera and was getting annoyed with mummy because she was pointing the camera at her again doing another live, you know. Um, you know, uh, it's it's so visible um like you know you talked about kickbacks the idea of the kickbacks that's very very real the power of the pharmaceutical industry is very very real and the fact that ireland is a very very busy country when it comes to pharmaceutical companies in our country working out of it um but like the the doctors have taken an oath to do the best for their patients and yet a lot of them aren't investigating it with the respect that it deserves you know um i think there should be a lot more people having access to it you know even based on the likes of ava and 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 what her experience has been absolutely tell me a little bit about your book for ava oh we we the book I wrote the book, so um, I hope you're after reading the book now. Yeah, have you read a bit of it? I read a bit of it. <laughs> um, the um, the, there was there was two people approached me about you know ghostwriting the book, and uh, I kind of wasn't sure about that, you know, because do you know the way it's very important, I think, to get the the message about the cannabis across properly and. Right. Do, do you think like absolutely yeah like and and if you're if you're in it and if you're 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 kind of with the cannabis and and dealing with the cannabis you 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 know it better than the stigma is removed the mystery is removed from it and you can tell a better story so there was another friend of mine brian he kept saying to me you can do this he said you've written things on facebook that look if you would you just do it and he kept kept on and kept on and um eventually we got to it and i sort of felt because the children were small i felt tremendously guilty at times that like 
you were constantly on the phone, constantly on the email, waiting for somebody to ring you back, ringing somebody else, doing this. And I kind of, I wanted to write it down for the other lads so that when they're older, they'd have a record of what happened and like why mummy was on the phone forever, you know, and why mummy was going to Dublin because, you know, even my children would say, oh, mummy's going to Dublin to get the medical cannabis for Ava and Simon Harris is a bold man and they'd see they'd see Simon Harris come on the news, you know, and they'd say Simon is a bold man and um, he was the minister for health at the time and I wanted to do that for them and I kind of thought, like, you've got you've got to give something back when people gave us so much support and I thought if I if I write the story down if I put it down on paper and put it out there anybody that needs it in the like because you might need cannabis today but you might need it 12 months from now you don't know what's ahead of you isn't it and like that's kind of what I felt that I put it down there and I put it out, and and it did it did well. It 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 did well. I was it it um it's it's her story, and um you can get it. You can get it on Amazon right now. You can you? get it on Amazon. It's on it's on book depository, I think, and it's on Amazon, and it's on there's and there's an Irish website as well. It's mercierpress.ie, and it's there as well, and um. We'd love, we'd love for people to read Ava's story and you know to um to, to learn a little bit more, uh, you know about about the cannabis or you know how it works. Or there might be someday that if somebody reads it, it might benefit one of their friends, or they could tell somebody else about it, and that would be, you know, that would be nice. That would be really good. How is Ava doing right now? She's very well. She is. Um, I mean, you know, Ava's got Dravet syndrome. She's never not going to have Dravet syndrome, so it's always going to be, you know, there in the in the background. But Ava's going to school. Um, Ava's meeting her friends. Ava's able to play with her brother and her sisters. Ava's able to give me orders at home, you know, close the window, shut the door, you know, um, she's the boss of the house. <laughs> um, she, she's not in hospital. And that's another, like, just to put it in context, when we started the, 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 um, the CBD oil in October of 16, Ava hasn't been admitted to hospital in an emergency since. And that's 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. That's five years without an emergency hospital admission. And I mean, it's like, it's like night and day. It's a little, a little child who was on a first name basis with every nurse and doctor in the children's unit who was known that the, the ambulance people knew where she lived five months of every year and what caused this change just a little bit of oil you know and if if there was if there was a little bit of common sense and a little bit of common decency and genuine understanding shown about the cannabis you know we should be much further on and like 
I just really hope that whatever bit of Irish blood is in Joe Biden's veins, that, you know, it might bring a bit of sense that maybe he might move the cannabis forward free in America, because a lot of us over here are looking, hoping that if, you know, if things improve further, it'll have knock on, it'll have knock on effects. You know, I know, I know Colombia and, and, and every, and that's brilliant, but you know, America is still America. It's, it's like, I just, I, I feel like, I feel like if it's done there, it'd make a big, big difference. Yeah. Let's just hope that America wakes up enough to learn to lead the way. What's yeah. next? What's next, Vera? What are you doing? Like, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 do, I actually genuinely. Time to just be I a mom, right? <laughs> what? I said, time to just be a mom, right? Yeah, and um, it's it's a little bit like falling off a cliff still at the moment because, like I said to you, um, we got. We got delivery reimbursement. We got the delivery sorted. That wasn't on. That was sorted in December of 2020. The reimbursement at source was sorted in July, and we're only benefiting from it now. So, um, I mean, people are still contacting me and reaching out to me. But, um, uh, like anything that I see that I think is relevant, I'm I'm putting I'm putting it out there. But I suppose. It's it's I don't know have I don't I don't have a platform. I don't really have a, a platform like some of the other some of the other ladies have a lot of backing um that are advocating, you know, there's groups behind them. It that wasn't like that with me. It was just kind of me at the kitchen table really that, that we 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 did it we did it the slow and the hard way. Um what can people do right now if they wanted to help you? If people wanted to reach out just to help you? I mean, I know that you guys absorbed a lot of bills that you'd love to be able to recoup if people could help you. Do you have a GoFundMe page? Oh, gosh, no. Oh, no, no. I'm not. Abs- oh, no, no, not at all. I'm not. No. I mean, um, we we are not looking for money at all, at all from anybody like that. Um, the GoFundMe page was to help us to be able to leave Ireland and 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 get get through the, the 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 enforced stay over in the Netherlands. I I don't know. I I kind of I have a dream that you know the book was successful. I you know I wrote the book. I I feel like I would love for something to be done with the book, Mantel. Right. I would I would love for somebody. And I have tried in in Ireland, but it's 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 still conservative. The the, the cannabis is a little bit hot. The topic's a little bit hot. Um, I would love for there to be some kind of elegant kind of documentary or film made out of Ava's story, because I feel really really strongly that what we were put through was it was a tragedy. It was an unnecessary we were victimized we were absolutely just they tried to wear us out to wear us down to make us go away and nobody nobody should have to go through that and you know you'd be thinking maybe if people could see that story in some kind of a in some kind of a, a documentary or something like that maybe if people could film. yeah if people could see it in a film would people see the craziness of 
what people are being put through and are continued to be put through to get access to a medication that works. And well, you know what? I, I have access to some some people in Hollywood, and you know, maybe so, what I do is I'll try to help as much as I can. Well, and, it would. I it, I think uh, do like don't you think it would be a nice thing? Oh, I, to... I, I I've already come up with a title. How far is it from um, your hometown to Dublin? It's where I think twas twas going on nearly three hundred miles. Well, I I I can see a, a movie called you know something like you know walk three hundred miles in my shoes. Yep. Yeah, and you know. That's a good title because do you know something? I wouldn't want a single soul mm. to go through what we went through. And I think anybody, anybody that suffered because of lack of access to cannabis, you'd be thinking about the ones coming after you. I'd be thinking like about the babies that aren't even born yet that are coming that'll have the dravets. Maybe they'll get it when they're two years. Maybe they'll get it when they're when they're younger. Right. Because the less damage that's done, the less repair you'll have to do to fix Absolutely. it. You did, say, did you say that Adele helped you at one point? Sorry? Did you tell you that Adele helped you at one point? Adele, my friend, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's okay. not not the singer now, no, no but she's 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 a She's Adele Crohan. She's my friend up from she's she's from up the country and she's living over in the Hague. So she was um she was the girl like that was calling in at six o'clock every evening to have a cup of tea with me and see how see how the day went and you know like um people if if people are given a chance people are brilliant. I've Absolutely. seen uh, like there's. Bad, bad articles out there, you know, within the government, the civil service, you know. There's good ones too, of course, but there's bad articles there at times. But the kindness of people that we experienced on the flip side of that as well, just like extraordinary. The the people that, it was, you know, people are good. People are good if they're given a chance, I think. Absolutely. Look, Vera, I, I, we're out of time, so I really I just can't thank you enough for being a part of today's show. I know your story is going to reverberate with so many people here. And like I said, we will do as much as we can to see if we can help you move this forward. But we're still living in such a crazy time. You know, even here in the United States, they don't allow you to, to, to talk about cannabis the right way. But maybe a story like this one will help us break through. Yeah, yeah, because I always think – there, the whole way along, you're thinking, what's going to break, you know, break the ceiling? Right. What's going to break the back of it? Maybe it's the next thing I'll do. Maybe it's the next thing I'll say. But I think the most important thing is to never give up. Do you never know, keep, right. keep going because it might be the very next thing that you'll do will we'll fix it for good. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Vera, for being here and being a part of today's show. I want to thank, thank you all for our, having me. Absolutely. I want to thank all our, all our viewers out there for, for watching and tuning in today. And remember, you know, the book is called For Ava. So go ahead and get a copy and read it. It's a wonderful, beautiful read from a beautiful woman who really fought with her whole heart and soul to help save her daughter. Thanks again for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Make sure you tune into the next 
Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thank you.